stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm continuing the Zach's tradition of having these summer college interns on the show, and we're joined this time by Zach's intern, Mitchell Moore, who's joining me to talk about how can young investors find the next Google or maybe even the hot industry or interesting places where they might be able to invest as they move up and out or even just are investing on their Robinhood app. Uh, You might be surprised that some of these ideas could be right under your nose if you're Gen Z or millennials. I don't know where the cutoff is. It's somewhere in there. But a lot of the Gen Zs are in college now, and you might be able to find some interesting investment opportunities right there on your own campus. So welcome, Mitchell. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Good. It's good to to have you. So just to clarify now, you are in school. Yes, I'll be a junior. Okay, and you're at Northwestern? Yep. Here in Chicago, or Evanston, yeah. Illinois, we should say, to clarify. And, um, okay, so a lot has been going on at Northwestern, and the topic for this podcast kind of came up because you and I were discussing one of the days here at Zach's about Northwestern's own investments and the R&D some of their faculty are doing, and they have like a big like biotech and biomedical research departments at Northwestern, and they have successfully launched at least one that we were talking about, and the name of that company is, I shouldn't even pronounce this, I'm super bad with names anyways, Apatinix, I guess? Um, it's A-P-T- I-N-Y-X. Why do they have to put all those like Y's and X's and all these yeah, names? All it the sounds like, I know, it sounds cool. But the ticker, I, I can say that easier. It's A-P-T-X. And this is on like gene therapy technology. Yes. And um, they're specifically focusing on some cool areas like Parkinson's and nerve disorders. But this was originally developed f- through a faculty member, right, at yeah. Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you guys who are students there, you know about this because Northwestern got a lot of money when this company went IPO, right? Yeah. Uh, Northwestern also made a, a lot of money with um, Lyrica, which they sold to, okay. um, I, don't, I think, I believe it was uh, Pfizer. Yeah, one of the big guys, um, yeah. And they, Northwestern, the school has made, I think, upwards of $2 billion for the endowment just off of a professor randomly discovering this drug, yeah. running tests. Um. And and they're also making a lot of money on gene therapy. And all these labs are labs that students are in day right? to day. Your friends, um, your roommates yeah. or something could be in there. I, my my roommate currently is in the lab of the professor who invented Lyrica. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So you have like kind of like insider insight, yeah. you and your roommate, on what is going on there and like what areas they're looking into, mm-hmm. where some breakthroughs might come in. And this is what I mean for like young investors out there, no matter what school you're at, especially if you're at one of the bigger research universities, though, that helps. If you're at a small liberal arts college, okay, that's not, yeah. your chances are a lot slimmer. But like some of these bigger research, both public and private schools, have a lot going on and it could just be right there in your dorm room. 
Now, is anyone um, in like, say your old dorms, I'm sure you're out of the dorms by now, but is anyone, are they like still developing apps in their dorm rooms or anything like that, that could also be kind of on the cutting edge? So a lot of universities and, and we do as well have a, like a garage program where it's a like an incubator incubator hub for students to go and get support on patenting and how to start a business and how to develop their product and everything. Um, and so I have a lot of friends who are developing various things from apps to biotech wearable products to uh, commercial retail businesses. Wow! Um, all through the university, they get they can get apply for funding. Um, they have lawyers on hand to help them with incorporating and everything like that. Wow! It's really, okay. Really cool. Yeah, that is cool. And that brings up to mind one of the most famous stories, I feel, of like students um, creating things. And that has to do at Stanford in the late 1990s when Larry Page and Sergey Brin were PhD students there in computer science. And they had this idea for what turned out to be Google. And they got help from Stanford to, um, you know, incorporate and then like, you know, grow the business, make sure it was running and all of that. And Stanford took a 15% cut off the top of royalty revenue, I guess it was called. And then um, a whole bunch of the rest was split in that case between the inventors, university departments, um, several of the larger schools within the, in the um, university, and then some of the other faculty members, some the Wall Street Journal was reporting at the time when Google went IPO, some of the other faculty members also owned initial shares because they had also funneled money somehow to both of them to develop Google. And so when they went public in 2004, 2005, I think it was, they um, had a decent sized equity stake, although looking back, they ended up selling 10% on at the IPO, which makes some sense. Like they're going to cash in um, initially. And then they sold the rest of their position only like a year or something later at, I think it said like $186 a share. It's like, well, uh -oh. <laughs> maybe they'll learn from that. Like, well, maybe they should have kept like a little bit of it to see what would happen going forward. But again, it's it's free money and they might as well cash in, right? right. So they got a couple hundred million dollars from it. But I also found some interesting stats that um, are more recent. And in a 2017 article I found on Google, um, strangely, but that article said that out of all of Stanford's um, investments, they have um, only 77 of them out of 10,000 of the technologies that have been developed in like, say, the last like 30 years, I think it is, have made more than a million dollars. So finding the next Google is difficult to do, even for the universities. They do do what all startups end up doing or like uh, venture capital funds and just throw money at various things and hope something sticks because they all don't. And so they they don't even at Stanford, which is probably why they sold out so quick when one did. But um, I thought that was an interesting stat. I also found that University of Chicago recently endowed a twenty five million dollar like startup fund to invest in university based startups out of its endowment for the same thing. Now whether or not they'll get their money back either, I don't, no one knows. These are just like gambles and roll of the dice, but. For the purposes of our podcast, um, I do think it's interesting for young investors because 
you are around these things on a daily basis if you go to one of these schools. And you can at least see now some of this stuff may not be public right now, and it might be like years. So say you were in the same dorm with Mark Zuckerberg when he created Facebook and you all were like using it at Harvard and you thought like, this is super cool. Well, it took pretty many years before they actually went IPO and then you could invest. So that wasn't really going to help you that much, I guess, to be in the loop on that one. But it at least would have opened up your mind to the possibility that, hey, there's this thing called social media, whatever this is, and this is kind of hot. Like, we're all on this, and this these kinds of platforms or something could be a good investable idea. I don't – does anyone – do you know anyone who is kind of, like, scouting out ideas and, like, trading in at least, like, hot sectors on Robinhood based on, like, what they're seeing at school? Um, I know what a lot of people do is instead of – going the stock route, they'll, if they find a, a company that's being incubated at on a campus, they'll go and try to get in on it because, okay. you know, new companies always need people. Yeah. And even if, you know, you, you find a cool like biotech wearables company, um, I have a friend who is a finance major who's like, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll help you run your finances for the next couple of years. If you give me you know, wow. a couple percent. Okay. Um, so it, it's like yeah. a job. It's not necessarily yeah. investing, but then you are investing in, in right. it anyways right. by trying to get a job there. Yeah, because um, startups like that, it's generally not a huge time commitment. Um, yeah. And and it's you know fun to do. It builds your resume, and you can also make some money if it becomes successful. Yeah. Um, I, I do know a lot of people who use you know apps like Robinhood or Stash okay. or things like that to um, – to, to trade and, and kids generally focus on the things that they're exposed to. So right. if you, you know, see a lot of tech stocks on your campus, you're going to be investing in that kind of stuff because you, you know about it. Right. Um, another, you know, if you, your chances are you're not the only person really with an idea right. for a startup. So you can, if you see a really cool company on your campus, you can go and find something probably pretty similar to it. That's already public. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That might be Sorry. some good tips for people yeah. who are out there, younger investors looking around to try to find the next great thing. Of course, there's no guarantees because I did look at that Epinix, I, mm-hmm. I guess that's how you pronounce it, from Northwestern, um, APTX, is that ticker again? And it traded as high as $32 for its 52-week high, and it's now at $3.20. Yeah. So it's come way down off of those IPO highs, and it's Market cap now is only 108 million, but okay. but this would be one you'd want to trade maybe more than like be a long term investor yeah, in, yeah. Um, which I'm sure m- many people are doing um, on campus anyways. What are the other? What would be the other popular things? Do, does anyone think about trading based on you know say where you order pizza or what restaurants you go to or or even like Chipotle? Oh yeah, we still like it, so I bought that stock when it went when it crashed down. What I, about that? I have a lot of friends who, who invest in stuff that, that they consume generally more on the staple side of things because okay. they see it as a safer investment. What does that mean? Um, like so they'll example. invest on, they'll be like, oh, I really like Crest toothpaste. I'll invest oh. in that because, you know, people aren't going to stop using toothpaste anytime soon. Really? Interesting. Um, because as, okay. young, as young investors, you have a lot of time to see that grow. You, you do. really need your returns in the next couple of years. Yeah. So you can... Kind of throw a lot of money into more stable investments and see it five, ten years down the road when you really need the money. Okay, so a lot of your friends are trying to find um, kind of like uh, mature companies, I would say. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it's always more fun to invest in startups. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so it's a mix. Yeah, it's probably. a mix. But what about like dividend stocks? Are they like into those? I, I don't see a lot of that. Okay. Because that would know, scare me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I don't know. I talked to some millennials and they were like all into REITs, which normally pay yeah. dividends too, because it's real estate. Right. And so I was kind of surprised by that, that the millennials who are a little bit older would be into, you know, getting that dividend. But um, each generation has its own kind of things that they look for. So that's why I'm, I am surprised that they're trying to buy like Crest toothpaste kind of thing. Um, but yeah, what, what other kind of, are they in, interested at all in the Uber Lyft? I know you guys take all the ride shares. Um, we, we do. Uh, I don't know many people that have invested in it because okay. of how smart. scary high its valuation <laughs> was. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, kids, we don't really read the newspaper, but because they're generally up to date on what's going on through their phones. So everybody kind of saw all those warning signals on yeah. online about valuation and everything. And I think kids, at least that I know, generally stayed away from it. Okay. What about like socially conscious investing? Do people have any issues with that? Like um, not buying an airline stock because the airlines, you know, burn so much fuel and, you know, hurt the environment or, or um, even not buying an energy company at all because they don't want to own anything like oil related. Um, I, I have seen a little bit of that. Okay. Um, you know, people try to generally stay away from you know, obviously, like firms that are you know in lawsuits for environmentally right, uh, right that would make sense and, and stuff like that. Um, I I haven't seen too much of like a hard line stay away from right, everything that's not. bad for the environment. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely probably in the back of of most young investors' minds. Okay, because I've I've been asked a couple times on Twitter whether or not the oil stocks are doomed because the younger investors won't buy those types of companies. And yeah. I don't know. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah. At the, at the end <laughs> of the day, like... I think, you know, kids are still human, so we still care about money. Yeah, right. <laughs> so if there's returns to be had, people will be there. Right. Um, okay. Well, what about uh, the shopping mall? We've talked about that here in the office too, offline. And it sounds like you and your friends do not really go to the mall. No. Um, okay. When we were younger, we would go probably middle school age, we would go as just like a weekend activity to, okay, to hang out hang out and run around and, you know. But once now that you're in college, do, no. Yeah. No, I, um, I was trying to remember when we talked about this the last yeah. time that I shopped at a mall and I think it was probably three years ago. Okay. What about like the kind of entertainment malls? Would, would that be in play? The ones that have like the movie theater, the farmer's market, I don't know, like the, you know, arcade type of places or... We didn't have an entertainment mall close to us where I grew up, okay. um, but we did have a sort of a, I think it was like a bowling alley movie theater complex, okay. which is kind of similar. Yeah. And we used to go to, all, go to that all the time. Bowling. Um, Do people still bowl? Do they oh, yeah. bowl at Northwestern? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I like bowling, but that seems like a Midwest thing, kind of. Yeah. It's generally pretty inexpensive, so. Yeah. And in the winters, what else do, do we have to do, right? right? Exactly. Um, is that like electronic bowling or it's still you picking up the ball and you're throwing it down that? Oh, yeah. Still, okay. I wonder if they're going to try to like get rid of yeah. that, like to say like, oh, this could all be, haven't, they do have electronic bowling, don't they? I don't know. I've never seen it. I don't know. The bowling um, alleys that Because it's the I've fun thing it. is whipping it down the lane. Yeah. Okay. So. They're, they're very updated now and, and they, you know. They have electronic order, scoring yeah, now, right? You can order food to your and drinks to your 
lane and it's okay. very chic and, and wow. 21st century, but it's, yeah. I need to come up there, try it maybe. Um, okay. So, so the mall isn't totally doomed if it has like other things to do yeah. there is what it sounds like. Yeah. I think not just shopping. I think the, the older model of just shop, shop, shops will start to die, but if they can, if malls can bring in customers with other attractions and then have people shop while they're there, they'll still probably be able to survive, I okay. would guess. But. Um, what about loyalty programs? Are you and your friends into any of those? Do you uh, pursue certain types of brands if they have a loyalty program? I'm thinking of like Domino's Pizza now has a loyalty thing. If yeah. you order a certain amount, you get like the free pizza. Does it fuel you to stay loyal because that's what it's supposed to do um, or not or do you just sign up for all of the loyalty programs and so you're in a mall anyways and it doesn't really matter what i've seen is a lot of um kids will sign up for a loyalty program if they already use a, a product a lot okay so you know kids are busy all the time and they don't want to spend the time 15 minutes every day signing up for this loyalty program and that loyalty yeah. program so like everybody and their brother signed up for Starbucks rewards, right? Okay. Because everybody goes to Starbucks. Right. Um, what about the Domino's one? I have a couple of friends. We have a Domino's in okay. Evanston. So everybody orders Domino's all the yeah. time. So a lot of people have that. Okay. Um, I, I don't see a lot of people, you know, walking into CVS for the first time and being like, oh, let me just sign up for the CVS <laughs> right. rewards right now. Right. <laughs> um, it's more of if you, I think, if you uh, use it a lot, you'll then sign up for the loyalty. Okay. Which will probably then keep you around. Yeah. Now, what about some of the streaming services? I know a lot of you in college are still like on the parents' plan and all that, but I just saw um, some articles indicating that Disney, when it rolls out its streaming plan, is going to try to restrict who you can share it with. I'm sure they'll still have like some kind of family plan, but yeah. people share their passwords with people other right. than family too, as yeah. we... As some of us know, um, on various of the plans. So um, what what kind of streaming plans would you guys be willing or like with the Disney one? Is there is there real anticipation of that one rolling out like at on colleges right now with you and your friends? Like, does anyone care about the Disney streaming? I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. Okay. Um, I do know that, that a lot of colleges provide certain streaming plans. Okay. So like Northwestern gives us, I believe, Xfinity. Okay. Uh, and HBO Go. Oh, okay. That's um, nice. I I think. Yeah. I, I've, I haven't used either of them. Um, okay. I know a lot of colleges offered various different plans to their students. Um, as as for the, the Disney thing, I've, I haven't heard a lot of buzz about it because I, I think also the buzz really started this summer. Yes. Um, it might oh. be as it gets closer, yeah. people might be like, eh, yeah, I do want to get all those Marvel movies and Star Wars and yeah. all that stuff. Okay. Um, what about, let's talk about some other things. What about social media and what you and your friends are on? Is it uh, Facebook? Probably not, right? Facebook is is definitely there, Okay, um, but less so in a pure social media sense. Okay. Facebook is used for planning events and um, things of that nature, groups like buying and selling furniture or okay. like our class has a Facebook group. Yeah, I was going to ask if your yeah. professors use it. Uh, prof I've, I've never seen a professor no. use it. Oh, it's okay. generally just student groups use oh. it a lot to okay. like blast out notifications. Yeah. What about 
Well, Instagram, Twitter, yeah. are are those the more popular platforms? Then? Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat uh, okay. are the most most popular, like pure social media platforms. And do you have to uh, be on all of them? Uh, no, you kind of. I, I would like Instagram and Snapchat. Pretty much everybody's on okay. Twitter's kind of. Say Twitter probably is... fifteen twenty percent of people aren't on Twitter. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe even higher than that. Um, and does everybody have a LinkedIn profile, I'm assuming? Yeah, pretty much. Um, a lot of universities also have their own proprietary sort of LinkedIn-style right. things. Like we have Handshake now, which okay. they just launched last year. That's um, a school-specific platform, so employers can come to Northwestern and say, hey, we want kids that fit these criteria. Yeah. Show us who you have. Okay. Um, wow. So it's sort of a two-sided thing, which is nice. Did you fill out a LinkedIn profile while still in high school or did you wait until college? No, I waited until college. Okay. I'm just curious like yeah. when people are getting on to that. Yeah. It would seem to be a college type thing, but yeah. I don't know anymore. Who knows? Right. Maybe some people wanted a high school one. I don't know. Yeah. I had a couple like hyper-motivated hyper friends in high school that, that did it, but I don't know if they probably didn't get any use out of it back then. Right. Before. Right. I wouldn't um, think so. Not as much. Okay. Um, all right, so we've gotten a lot of ideas out there for people who are on their own college campuses. They can kind of look around. I always tell people, you know, that buy what you know is an actual legit investing strategy. Right. And especially you guys are exposed to a lot of ideas, like especially if you have a roommate who's working in some of these labs or, you know, on some, you know, tech project or or is in a startup or any of that stuff. Even if those companies aren't yet right. going public or public, you can still kind of look around, oh, you know, this is where people think the future is going. Maybe it's AI. I don't know. Um, maybe it's even like a new type of, um, you know, uh, clothing or something. You might still be like, oh, yeah, this could be really cool. And I will look around for other investments in that area. And they make it so easy now with like the certain apps apps that are out there that are really low cost. Is there any, you mentioned Robinhood and Stash, are those are the two main ones really that you guys are using? Do people use like E-Trade and the, the older kind I don't, of trading platforms? I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, generally, you know, kids are by their phones all the time now. And so right. it's really easy to stay up on your trades and see what the market's doing if you can just pull it out of your pocket and look at it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen anybody use E-Trade or any of the like traditionally computer-based services. Okay. Um, what is the uh, like view on stocks among your friends and um, peers? If you know, I'm just asking generally because obviously yeah. you don't go around like quizzing everyone of right. like, hey, do you like stocks or not or yeah. that kind of thing. But is it? I would think, given that we've now seen almost like a 10-year rally here off the lows from the financial crisis, that they would seem to be like a good thing that you would yeah. want to be doing. Yeah, I, people generally see it as if you have the competency or the the know-how to do it, um, it's a pretty easy way to make money. Okay. That's how it's generally seen. Um, a lot of people also are just scared of it. Okay. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to risk it. I, right. I, you know, stay out of it. Okay. Because um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of scary at first to understand what really influences stocks and to get your right. mind around the fact that, you know, sometimes nothing really influences stocks. Right. We've um, seen that plenty of times. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of people think it's a generally positive way to make, make some money, I think. Okay, cool. 
Well, I like hearing that. And this was a good uh, discussion about like what's going on on the college campuses and like what you can find out there if you're looking around for the next Google, because clearly even Stanford didn't really know it had the next Google when it had it. Stanford also was one of the early investors in Yahoo, and they made a lot of money off that back in the day. And apparently Cisco is what I found in one of the articles as well. Um, and so, yeah, they've they've managed to have some kind of connection with some of these big names, but a lot of the other ones didn't go anywhere, but that's par for the course. Yeah. So, yeah, I do encourage people to like, kind of look and see what are the hot areas that they're throwing the money into and what they're doing the R&D on to get ideas and to see if someone else is publicly traded out there that might be in that same area that could be a way to play it. So keep that in mind. And I'm going to recap some of the tickers we talked about here. Of course, there's Google, G-O-O-G-L. I actually own that in my own personal portfolio. Do you own that? I do not. Oh, okay. Not um, then there's Uber and Lyft. I do not own either of those. And I don't think Mitchell, no, he's shaking his head to those. Um, I do not own... Appenix, I'm mangling the name again, A-P-T-X is the ticker there. And then there's Cisco is out there. I don't own that one. C-S-C-O is the ticker. And then you could also look at some of the restaurants. We talked about Domino's, D-P-Z is one of my favorite of the restaurant chains because people across all generations like keep ordering off Domino's and that app is so cutting edge and actually the pizza is pretty good i don't know like it's they got that new sauce a number of years ago just after the financial crisis that's really uh pushing their stock as well i used to own Domino's, but i do not own it at this time so keep some of those tickers in mind and keep your eyes open and um you might be able to find the next google out there um But otherwise, you're going to want to join us here every week on the podcast because I'm going to bring you some more stocks and some other ideas here on the Market Edge. So be sure to subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify. And you can get us on SoundCloud, but get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.